This is Rugga Matrix America. Hey, welcome to the show, everybody. This is Alex Goff, editor-in-chief of RugbyMag.com, and we are talking a couple of things here on the show with Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean. We'll have... John Hinkin a little bit later to talk about the largest rugby tournament in North America and how you can be a part of it. So we'll talk a little bit about that. But first of all, we're going to be talking a little bit about the America's Rugby Championship. We'll be right back here on Rugga Matrix America. Hey, fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots... Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. You know, I think you guys have noticed that we're still running the uh, Rugby Imports ad that's voiced over by Dave Sitton. And um, something I mentioned a little bit earlier, a couple of shows ago, that uh, I thought that the best way to uh, honor Dave was to allow him to keep working. So Dave, who was kind enough to voice over these... uh, ads for us a couple of ads for us uh, a few years ago um uh we still got it going and uh obviously um do that in the the greatest respect for dave who uh passed away suddenly this past summer in august um and it, actually we had him on the show too we had him on the show a couple of times and and guys uh dave was uh was a heck of a guest he was he he didn't pull any punches that show that he did with Palido was one of our best and probably one of our most listened to. Yeah, definitely. Uh, hope, hopefully we get a lot of people to listen to this one. Um, we're talking about the ARC, talking about the America's Rugby Championship, and we looked at the beginning uh, of this at, at, at the lineup, and we talked a little bit about some concerns we had, and I know, Bruce, you had some significant concerns on, on a couple of levels. And... Um, Right now, what we're looking at is USA is one and one. They they hung tough against Argentina Jaguars, lost twenty seven to nine. I think a lot of people might say the score a little bit flattered Argentina, but the concern that uh, the USA still was not scoring tries, getting the ball into the the twenty two into the green zone, but not scoring tries was an issue. And then uh, right after that, a few days later, they uh, play Canada and beat them and beat them actually quite badly 30 to 10 uh and it, i i think it could have been more um and and guys i, I want your thoughts i just wanted one thing and i know bruce you talked about toughness and you wanted to see some toughness and we talked a little bit about some players who we didn't know what they would bring to it and, and i guess one of the bigger unknowns was tai tui samoa who's a um, uh, a lock flanker number eight from on back. Um, and it turns out he's one of the guys who really has brought um, a lot of uh, determination, a lot of toughness, uh, good work and contact. So, so it was one of those things where we had a question and, and maybe one guy at least answered it. Um, but Bruce, what did you think? I thought the second game against Canada was fantastic. And the fact that they, they brought a lot of aggression to the table. I was I was really impressed with Nick Wallace. He brought, I, I think that he gave offensive punch from the front row. I think that Phil Teal played. Um, he was a steady 
calming influence in, in the team. I thought that it was brilliant the way they used Sullivan and Pittman, Sullivan uh, to soften them up, Pittman to come in and make some and do some things at the end. Tied to Samoa has really acquitted himself very well. He was he was really good. He was the guy who got that first go forward ball when Canada was kind of dominating the game very early on and <clears throat> the U.S. He got that, that go forward ball. I think they need to see more out of Harriman. I I don't think he played particularly well in the uh, Argentina match, and I don't think he played particularly well this time either. I, I probably would lean toward possibly starting Cullen next week. Danny Barrett, what a fantastic play. I mean, that was that was about as good as you could possibly hope in terms of uh, in terms of that. I, I think that they need to find ways to get Danny into the game and into the attacking to the attacking pattern. I, I, I know that there's got to be ways that he can use him. He still doesn't seem like he's fully engaged in the game the way that he's capable of. And Derek Asman, he turned it around. I mean, he did a complete 180 from how he played Definitely. against Argentina. Uh, and it was it was very sad to see Liam O'Murphy be, uh, be hurt because he was playing great. And then Derek didn't have his best game against Argentina, but man, did he hit rocks and he did things. He did little dirty work in this game that was great and Cam Dolan, fantastic. I mean, the, the only criticism that I would have of Dolan at this juncture is if I were calling lineouts, I would just call everything to myself just because Ty really isn't a great jumper. Uh, Harriman is a lifter. Ty and Harriman lifted. I thought they, they he's just got to find ways to get open and use himself. He called He called uh, John Collins' number and, and they were a split second slower lifting Cullen, who's a big boy, and they lost that line out. And I think you're right. I mean, Dolan is, he's one of those wiry, strong guys. So he's tall and he's actually pretty thin, but he's still physically strong. And people make the mistake of thinking, kind of like Alec Parker was, you know, Alec Parker never really got bulky big. He was just tall, but he you couldn't break him. Um, and and so he's he's easy to lift. He's really easy to lift for a, a good strong lifter. Well, the thing that Dolan really impressed me with this is his. He brought a physicality. He brought aerial superiority, and he was tough in the breakdown. I, the U.S. forwards probably need to play better in the breakdown going against Uruguay. But they have so much to build on right now. That was that was an impressive performance. They launched off the line. They made hits. They tried to knock people back on those one-off on this. They put pressure on that 9 and 10 combination. It really kind of didn't execute at all at 9 and 10. But the U.S. came up and they launched and they put pressure into the Canadian backfield and they really couldn't do anything. They couldn't get out of their own way. And it was awesome. I'm really happy that I stayed up last night to watch that game. I had a great time watching it. And the the brilliant thing about it is they're only going to get better because it wasn't a perfect performance by any stretch. But in terms of the forwards, and I guess what we're talking about first, in terms of the forwards, it was I was very happy at the way the guys played, and I was very happy to see that they have the propensity to even lift it probably by 25 to 50% going into the next game once they get a little bit more of a gel. I, I'm very it – was, it, was, it was fun. I'm glad the Eagles needed that, the USA needed that, and it's about time some of the bounces went our way, and it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. I think it's really promising seeing where some of these guys have come from when you look at Nick Wallace and Cam Dolan and um, Derek Asbin and and uh, Danny Barrett. 
John Cullen, even straight out of college guys, Utah, Cal, life, um, all over the place. So I think that's that's really promising. St. Mary's, obviously. So it's promising. Um, Tim Maupin had a good game, and he's also a St. Mary's product. So it's good to see players from straight out of college and straight out of colleges other than Cal, which has been really the main producer of um, Eagles year after year. So it's good to see other other teams contributing. And uh, I think it speaks well of Justin Fitzpatrick um, and the the job he's done and Neil McMillan, who's also out there helping um, the job that they've done with the forwards, seeing this kind of aggressive battling um, type stuff that I think if we're being honest with each other, that's kind of the one thing that's been lacking from the senior Eagles since the world cup um, in most games. So it's, it's a matter of going out there and battling every second and being engaged. And, you know, Danny Barrett in terms of, a guy like Bruce said, he's not, doesn't always look like he's a hundred percent switched on or focused. I, I think I've noticed that in him at Cal and him playing sevens over the years, that that's kind of um, one of the things he has, he struggles with. And I wonder, and I, I said this to Alex off air, but if he could fit in kind of the Alisana Tualangi uh, wing mold, a big, strong guy that you put him on the wing every time he touches the ball, he's going to be clicked on. And uh, he's, he's a tough guy to tackle as we've seen with uh his stiff arm, especially if he gets down on the touchline. But no, I, I think it was nothing but a positive performance. And and Cam Dolan, um, I think the body type that he reminds me of is more that of Scott Lavalle or Todd Clever than it is of Alec Parker. But um, another athletic, mobile, strong, tall, kind of thin guy. Um, and it's great to see him, you know, be able to to step up and 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 maybe he's going to be that guy, the, the Todd Clever of the next generation. I know that's big words to say now but he's looked really good and like he's earned that kind of accolade so far in the ARC a couple of big things big plays and you talked about Danny Barrett's try and and I remember you know Jack Clark used to say about Danny Barrett is um he's going to have moments in the game but also that his moments are going to be the biggest moments in the game and not only that two minutes before he scored the 50 meter try he um he was the one who came out of sort of nowhere to touch the ball down. Had been kicked in goal by Connor Trainer, and was rolling around. It looked like Canada was going to score a try, and he dove on it, saved a try. Uh, Nick Wallace, I, I agree, was was great, and he did chase um, uh, Dolasau into the corner. Um, but the other guy who got that got Dolasau was Tim Maupin. And here's a guy we don't. I mean, he he's really good college player, but we really hadn't thought. Is is you know is Maupin going to to make the step up? And I don't know if we saw an awful lot of him against Argentina, but we certainly saw plenty of him in this game. He made uh, at least two tackle breaking runs that got the USA into the twenty two uh, that led to points. He scored a try, which essentially was executing a backline move. Um, we expect him to do that, but he did score. And then he scored a try late in the game uh, on good support work when Chris Chapman was just uh, just dragged down. Um, but it was also that tackle. I thought that here's a guy who's not super big, not not somebody we're saying, you know, Maupin's going to be the next wing for the Eagles or anything like that. And somebody who put his hand up and said, uh, I really, really want to play at this level. I think looking at the back line, it was – I thought Malpin had a really good game. He had a, he had a, a rough start. I, his defense was a little bit suspect in the in the early part of the game, but he turned that around. And I will tell you that that although that that back line move, 
where he scored, it was really well executed. It's not as easy to time that run the way he did and get himself under the sticks. And I know the Canadian announcers were complaining that, that Poole had blocked. I don't think Poole blocked. Poole ran a really good under his line. It's, it's an alpha spot. Life runs it. Basically, if you could stop that move, you could stop life. But they run it incessantly. And he he went in, and he and he hit that hole, and Toby hit him with a perfect pass, and he went right under the sticks. But the, the real part of that play was Mealy Pulu sold that under his line hard, and those Canadian guys went up and tried to whack and take his head off, and he didn't get the ball, and Malpin was under the sticks. Malpin's defensive play when Wallace chased that down was fantastic. The, 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 I thought that the way they played, especially – I think that Sean Davies and, and Toby Lestrange had a little bit of trouble early on, especially inside the 22, where they were struggling a little bit with the way they were communicating and possibly getting their passes, but they handled it really well. But we didn't give up a try, right? Two passes to no one, but we didn't give up a try. See, what we did is we scrambled, and we played well, and we played for each other. I thought that Neely Puma was starting to get himself further and further into the game. I think that he's only going to get better. Chapo played a much better game this time than he did against um, then did against uh, Argentina. He didn't make those silly dinky kicks. He kept the ball in contact. He made all he made all the tackles against Argentina anyway. But he 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 um he really just played a lot better. I think that him and Pulu figured out how to be a team, and they and they were and they were better because of it. Yeah. What Joe Cali? What about Joe Cali? Uh, I think Joe Cal. Well, Joe Cali. He, he he kicked his goals. He made little kicks that he made that were. That he put things through. I, he played a solid game. I don't. I don't know that he's necessarily an international player yet, but I. He did play a solid game. And one of the guys that that uh, Max Diachival, even though we played for a couple minutes, really showed an energy and a spring and a step. He made a really nice tackle. Typical low chop his legs. Max Diachival chop tackle. Took some ball, moved it, kicked it downfield. Not even was kicking. He was. Max played well in the two minutes that he got or three minutes or whatever it was that he got. Yeah. He, he made he, uh, as much of an impact as he can make and was really excited to be there. You know, some guys are in the game is kind of out of reach and they just mope around when they get in the game. Max didn't do that. You could see that he was a team player and he really appreciated his minutes. And that was really good to see. I, I, just, I just really liked the attitude. Just to add to that, uh, you know, he got he got a pass uh, kind of uh, with nothing on, and the and the the backs were a little bit flat. There wasn't anything going on on the left, and the and the Canadians were moving up. So he just ran right, and then popped a beautiful little kick into the corner, and and you know suddenly they're playing inside the twenty-two. Very smart play, um, rather than just passing off to Lestrange, who moved into inside center and saying, "Hey, you stuck me here in garbage time. Uh, not my problem. Let's have it be someone else's problem." And you're right, he he made a play. I just thought that the attitude the attitude is going to bring more to the table going forward. I think they're going to lift it. I think that the excitement to be able to play Uruguay is going to be great. It's the interesting thing, and I'd like to hear your opinions on this, or Pat's opinion on the back line, but the interesting thing is how are they going to play Uruguay? What are their selections going to be? Because a lot of guys haven't gotten a whole lot of run. Well, I, I think Adam Siddle's starting at fly half. That makes sense to me. I think John Cullen gets to start at lock, like Bruce talked about. He's a guy that Tolkien wanted to bring in to begin with, and through some unavailability, I think, wasn't able to be picked. And um, he's a guy that spent the entire summer with the Eagles, training with them while they were touring. So um, 
and he's a guy that is going to be moving up to Seattle OPSB. So he's certainly trying to uh, enhance his, uh, his chance to make the senior Eagles. So, so I think that you'll see him in there as well. And um, tied to Samoa somewhere. Possibly if Siddle starts at, at fly half, Lestrange goes to inside center Chapman. I, I agree with you, Bruce, because it, I watched Chris Chapman in the ARC last year and I, I, I didn't understand why he'd been picked. He made a lot of silly errors, um, errors that I don't expect somebody who's grown up playing the game to make. Uh, he's a totally different player this time. So that's, that's fine. Um, and then, and then we, we still have a, a question as to what quite to do on the wings. If he's healthy, Ed Mills is starting over Mark Roberts, but, but if he, yes, correct. But, but is he healthy? Uh, Joe Cowley certainly uh, earned some more time uh, at fullback. Um, and I don't think anyone's pushing Sean Davies out of the number nine jersey. He looked fine. So uh, potentially do you do you look for Tui Samoa to go into the back row or do you put him on the bench? Um, you know, I, I, real- I, I, I personally I don't I don't think they're going to give a, a charity start to someone just because the USA already sort of has gotten what they wanted out of the ARC. I guess that's my answer. My question is, are they going to try to back it up and go to win the game with their best team that they can put out there? Or are they going to try different combinations because it's the ARC and guys haven't gotten an opportunity to play? Now, for me, I would say, knowing Michael, Mike likes to win. And I think that he's going to go for the jugular and pick what he thinks is his best team. Um, So, I also think he, he may put Siddle at five. I haven't spoken to him, so I have no idea what he's what he's thinking. I, I would probably. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's gonna. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's gonna put Siddle at fly half, and I don't think he thinks that's putting someone who, you know, can't do the job. He 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 rested him against Canada. I think specifically so he would be able to start at fly half against Uruguay, and um, I. I think you look at the play of the rest of the team. I don't think, I don't think that's going to be an issue. I, but I, I, I... Um, so with me, I would start Davies and Lestrange. If he's going to start Siddall, I'd probably put Toby in the midfield with Mille. I'd probably put Chapo on the wing. I, it looks like Moal is hurt. At least it seemed like that when he came out of the game. He didn't seem like he came out for any, uh, any other reason. And I'd probably leave... I'd probably leave Malvin and Cowley in uh, in the back. I'd probably bring Mills off the bench. I think I think you leave Mills, St. Max, Max on the bench, uh, Falcon, Pete, Pittman, TT, and then I, I think you put uh, and I think you put um, what's his name, the Harriman, and I guess Cassidy would have to be the other uh, the other forward on the bench. Kind of how that's how I would probably okay. I think they can mess around with the front row a little bit, but I, I, but I, or you put Siddle on the wing where he's played quite a bit, but I don't know. I, I, I see what Mike's got. I see what you're saying is you gotta, you gotta give him a shot at fly half. I get it. To wrap this segment up, just to echo what Bruce said, which is a, a big sigh of relief, a, a kind of a smile to see the USA play some pretty good rugby, score some tries, actually adjust their tactics to make it so they can score tries a real big smile to be able to see somebody like Joe Cowley show up and kick pressure goals and difficult goals, two from one from each 
each sideline, one from the right sideline, one from the left sideline, and a penalty goal from about 46 meters out. Not too shabby at all, but that's just one game. Let's see them back it up. We will be right back uh, on Rugged Matrix America, and we'll be talking Las Vegas Invitational. Stay with us. Rugby fans, don't forget that the USA Sevens International Rugby Tournament is not that far off. It's not too soon to start clearing your calendar for the biggest rugby party on U.S. soil. The USA Sevens will bring 16 of the best international teams to Las Vegas on January 24th to 26th. Yeah, it's two weeks earlier this time, and don't forget, there's also the Las Vegas Invitational. You're a rugby fan, and you're also a rugby player, and the LVI has competitive opportunities for Sevens, Fifteens, Young, Old, and in between. High level, or just here for the fun. It's all in Las Vegas. Everybody's here for the fun in Las Vegas. Go to usasevens.com for more. Hey, we're here on Rugged Matrix America. Uh, Pat and, and I, that'd be Alex Goff, editor of RugbyMag.com, and we're here to talk about the Las Vegas Invitational with John Hinkin. And uh, John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Pat. Good to speak with you both. Uh, well, it's great to speak to you because, you know, it. I, people realize that there's a, there's a business connection between Rugby Mag and the company that runs the LVI there's there's a connection there however the lvi is really really fun uh for a couple of reasons one it's in las vegas um two it's, two it's usually usually nice weather in the middle of the winter and three it's it's a, a tournament at, at a time when tournaments uh, a lot of times are struggling and struggling to get a lot of teams to show up you have uh you know upwards of 250 teams showing uh showing up every year so um tell me a little bit about how things look for 2014 well, they look great, and I, I really want to emphasize your point number three there, Alex. Uh, again, back in the 1900s when I was playing, there were there were tournaments, and you know you could go find them, and that was great. And it is they went away, and it is great that we we've been able to then go around, you know, the biggest rugby event in North America and build. Uh, the Las Vegas Invitational, and it has grown every year. So for for 2014, we are uh, we are ahead of pace as we've done every year. Last year we ended up with, uh, as you said, over 250 teams. Uh, we're pacing about 25% higher than that right now, as of this date. If you look back, so that's that's great. You know, we might we might hit the magical 300 this year. Exciting. Well. Um... One of the the issues I know that came up for the the LVI, you, um, you've been doing it for four years now, mm-hmm. is the is is the venues and some of the, the the Star Nursery fields, which are the the six fields right next to Sam Boyd Stadium, um, uh, are, are are lovely fields, and then the Silver Bowl fields, uh, uh, on the other side of the parking lot uh, near the stadium, mm-hmm. have been. Um, I know the first couple of years are kind of dusty, and and you also were expanding into other uh, venues. There's one venue that was actually just really hard to find, um, but but you and I have talked about this over the years, and you talked about the work you were trying to do to get to make sh- to to listen to what teams said about venues, and try to make them better. Uh, and yeah. I think I think last year was was kind of a good year for you on that on that front. 
we did. Heritage Park was the, was the the park that was that was out um, to the east of, of of the stadium, and the fields are fantastic. Uh, they're full size. You know, again, the grass is Bermuda out there, so it, it turns yellow in the in the winter. It's just what Bermuda grass does, but it's all grass, and that's that's the good news there. So uh, going back. Backwards, the, uh, the Star Nursery Fields, I was just out in Vegas uh, a few weeks ago. They look fantastic. Um, the Silver Bowl Fields have looked better than they ever have. They, uh, we've been working with the county on, on the Silver Bowl Fields, and there is a long-term plan to actually shut down half those fields, really grow the grass out for six to eight months, and then bring it back in and then shut down the other half, really grow the grass out. And, and go back to using that piece of land like the county envisioned it, it could. Um, with, the, with the recession and all these other reasons that just happened, um, they just sort of lost the ability to maintain that park as much. Um, people didn't come as much. It just, you know, there just was a lot of reasons why it, it fell a little off into disrepair. But I'll tell you, they've, they've done a bang-up job getting it back uh back to as fine a condition as they can. So as long as there's grass everywhere, I think people will be happy. The color of it's still going to be yellow. You said you're looking at another increase this year. Are you seeing a pattern in where the numbers are coming from? Is it old boy sides? Is it high school sides? Is it Where's it coming from? Well, it, it's funny you say that, Pat. Um, it changes every year, and that's just a funny thing for me. So I have not, I've, as Alex mentioned, I've four years in Las Vegas, three years before that in San Diego with this. And I just, there, there is no pattern uh, to who or which division fills up first or doesn't fill up first. Um, I can tell you this year, uh, the men's elite division is almost full right now. And Aces has got a good amount of teams in it. Open's got a good amount of teams in it. Uh, on the men's side, the men's college division is uh, is lacking, and uh, you know I believe there's reasons for that. Uh, there are a few in there, but there's certainly not going to be. I don't think of the 32 or 28 or so that we've had the uh, the last few years. Well, can, um, can can we talk about that? The 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 fact sure. is that uh, the the CRC uh, did have as a qualifier. Um, the the LVI tournament and for two years it was a qualifier. Last year they uh, decided not to, and this year it's not going to be a qualifier. And and I think right. I mean isn't isn't it fair to say that the the college sevens teams um, are not as attracted when they don't have that you know chance to to play for that spot uh, on NBC. That, that that's very fair, and that was the reason a lot of teams. Did show up. They thought they were gonna. They they all thought they could compete to get on NBC. There's some that will come out and just play, knowing that they never had a shot, and that's great too. You know, we welcome all the all the competition, but it certainly um, has hurt that division. No no question about it. Are you seeing more? And that's that's are, the reason. Are you seeing more college 15s teams coming in? Is well, that, it's, is, I've got. You know that was that's one of the things. You know, does that uh, translate? And I do have a lot of interest 
from College 15 teams coming in. Um, Life, Arizona State, San Diego State, um, BYU, uh, Arizona, Utah, all all coming in. There'll be there'll be more um, from Canada as well. That are all there's the four or five Canadian teams that have verbally said yes, but they haven't actually signed up. So yeah, there's there's an early increase in the college teams. We'll see whether that plays out. Cal sounds like they're going to be coming back um, to Las Vegas after a few years off, and uh, Colorado as well. Well, that was, you know, I remember back in San Diego, um, everybody, everything stopping so that everyone could watch Cal play on back. Yeah. And and the, that field, that was just fascinating because this was, uh, the, the, there were very few bleachers on that field. It was just, it was just three or four deep all the way around that field. Yeah. Watching that game. Um, yeah. It was, it was a great spectacle and a great game. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 I think that you might find—I I don't know—but I, I think you might find word gets around. This is the big clash, and and you know the, the, there are B-side games and things like that. But um, you know, I I I I think sometimes people kind of miss games, and maybe we need to do a little bit better job letting people know. Life versus Utah last year was an interesting game, very interesting game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, there's there's always some good cracker jack matches, and that's you know that's part of the challenge match format. And this year, some teams are starting to take advantage of that, and they're they're calling me with, hey, we're coming, and this is who we're going to be playing. Fantastic. You know, they couldn't get it on their schedule or work it out, but they've they've called me, and, and that that challenge match format is starting to to get into the minds of coaches. And you know, let's get our schedule set early and meet in Vegas. Uh, other teams, most teams around the West Coast now, uh, that is a black weekend, dark weekend for scheduling, which is great, um, which means coaches can look, see who they want to play, and make that happen. What is the plan for the women this year? Obviously, it wasn't part of the um, first Women's World Series last year, but there was still a really great tournament. You could see some international games, international teams right outside the stadium. What's what's the plan for the women's division for international this year? We're trying to make it, again, as international as as possible again this year. Um, the women have uh, now moved uh, their tournament uh, a few weeks away. Uh, it's, it's four weeks of, uh, difference between the LVI and the, the women's matches. Uh, they're out on the East Coast this year. Uh, so, again, it gets into the travel issue with a lot of teams. So are they going to come – to the United States twice within a month and play, and eh, probably not. So that kind of limits who I can uh, get and attract out to Vegas. Now, with that being said, Trinidad and Tobago is coming back. USA will put in a team. Canada will put in at least two teams. Uh, Argentina said maybe. Japan has said maybe. Um, and then it gets into uh, Bermuda's bringing their team, and then it gets into some uh, all-star teams. Uh, Atlantis, the Dog River Howlers out of Canada as well. So it, it'll still be an international contingent. And it'll still be some decent games. Um, we just won't have as many teams on the circuit as possible uh, just because of the timing of, of their tournament and uh, and our tournament now. 
has was there ever any discussion between the IRB and you guys about? I mean, obviously the only double men's and women's at the same place last year was Dubai, but uh, yeah. Vegas seems like it might have been a pretty good option too. Was there was there a conversation had? There was the conversation was more between the IRB and USA Rugby, and we wanted it. Of course, we want it. It's it made sense and. We thought it would be fantastic. Let's let's put the women where they belong in front of thirty five thousand people playing a final. And um the word that got filtered down to us was that they want to do a standalone event. Well, all right, good luck. Um we're here if that ever, you know, comes back. But uh in the meantime they're gonna keep trying to build a standalone event and they wanna build it with their own legs and teeth and, and there you go. So we weren't part of the discussion. We offered us as a solution, but we were never really at the table. On the women's side, uh on the on the lower levels, are you are you seeing a lot of sevens teams? Are you seeing a lot of fifteens teams? What would you like to see more of? On the women specifically, uh I've always wanted to see more fifteens. We uh and especially fifteens clubs and collegiate. We just don't get very many. And the reason I'm told is, well, we're not in season. Well, neither are the men. So let's get them together and get them out here. We, we do get the women's sevens, the women's open generally fills up with 20, 24 teams. Uh, The women's elite will generally fill up. And so we're decent there. And then on the, on the high school level, uh, we had a pretty good, uh, Pretty good women's fifteens. Uh, the girls filled up to twelve um, for sevens, and on the fifteens last year, I believe we had about eight, eight teams. So that was great at the high school level. But let's get it above the high school level, and and bring them on out. That's I, I keep reaching out and keep asking the women's clubs to to help me on this one because obviously I, I'm not being successful in recruiting them. Well, we, 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 have a, we have a championship that finishes up in November, uh, the championship weekend for, for the women's 15s clubs. But yeah. this this leads right into two things that that the women's clubs wanted by, by switching to a full fall season. What they wanted for the new year was the opportunity to either A, develop young players and play in, in tournament formats that aren't really all that critical for winning or losing, and therefore you can get younger players – uh, understanding the the speed of the game, the physicality of the game that's required at the women's senior level, and then on the other right. side is you would have the desire for uh, elite level play, all star play, moving up that level from the women's premier league to get up to that slightly higher level again, preparing international players. Those were yes. both stated purposes for having a fall league, and it seems to me right in your lap is the Las Vegas Invitational, yeah. Uh, yeah. January, January 23rd to 25th. Uh, yeah, earlier this do, year. Yeah, earlier this year to go do that. It, and that's absolutely a point I make when discussing that with these teams. Those are the, those are the words I use, Alex. And, uh, again, you just hear a variety of excuses. So I would love to get them out. I'd love to be part of that program in discussions with, you know, women develop, women's development program, let's, 
let's get all-star teams playing against each other in Vegas so they can all see each other. Let's get the club teams out there that can get the rust off, uh, get ready for a spring season if they're, if they're so inclined. Um, or again, the touring, not only seeing people, but that's, that's how you, that's how you build your club. That's how you get your camaraderie going. And since this doesn't lead to a championship, you know, the emphasis, you know, everyone wants to win, but the emphasis is not winning. It's not like you'll lose points for your league or your, or your run to a national championship by not winning in Vegas, but you probably gain, gain a club and gain your, uh, gain your players. Talk. I just want to talk about, um, for me, one of the big successes of the LVI, and that is Boys High School Sevens. Yeah. It was, you, you started that, and it was kind of like, really? Okay. Um, I guess I guess we can put a team out. And and full marks to uh, Salty Thompson. And yep. both two Thompsons. In fact, Salty Thompson on the men's side and the high school All-Americans. And then Shane Thompson from yep. Canada, Canada with the BC team. Uh, for them completely embracing this immediately and and while i think i think the lower levels on the on the elite bracket the lower levels maybe they were struggling a little bit those top two teams they've now played for a championship twice um bc got one and high school all-americans got another and it and and it's phenomenal because now you're starting to develop young players who play sevens and and how great was it to see uh High school all Americans winning a game in front of thirty thousand people. Yeah, that that was really the that was what made them so excited to run out onto a full stadium basically and, and, and play. That 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 really got them going. That was what made made the trip for those young boys. For the lower levels with the high school boys, again, that's another division that always fills up. We had we had thirty two teams last year in high school boys seven. You know, that's phenomenal. This year for the elite um, high school, we'll, we'll have the same the same kid, guys from from last year. As far as uh, Canada, will send a few. The U.S. will send a few. But then we're getting uh, other options in the uh, high school elite seven. So Atlantis is going to be putting another team in. Argentina is getting back to me with a maybe. Japan is going to be sending. Not a Japan select side, but one of their high club sides. Uh, South Africa is sending a team in. The Golden Lions are coming. So that is now all of a sudden gone from an 8 to a 12-team uh, division. And that's, that's going to be really great stuff. Now we've got four or five countries uh, playing at the high school League 7, which leads into, you know, does this then become, you know, a qualifier for like the Junior Olympics, anything like that? And that's where we're trying to get to with uh, with the elite high school sevens. Another new division that we're doing this year is we're also doing the uh, National Small College sevens. So you'll remember in Philadelphia for the CRC, um, we those are the big colleges, if you will. We've got the small college uh, sevens, and that's going to be another. Hopefully, we're going to. I'm working with Howard Kent on this. We're looking to get that to be an 18 tournament, and funny enough, that'll be a that should, is meant to be a qualifier to to go to Philadelphia. So there's 
There is a qualifier for Philly. It's just not the CRC. <laughs> Off the field a little bit. Uh, one of the big changes for the LVI is your host hotel. Uh, you yeah. had been working with stations, and uh, you have moved to the Hard Rock, yeah. which is um, and 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 this isn't this is sort of the the hotel that you're encouraging teams to stay at. Uh, it's a big hotel, it's huge, and and um, and a lot of fun. So so tell us a little bit about that and how well, that works. Yeah, I- I'll almost disagree with you on it being a huge hotel by Vegas standards. Um, That's true. There are huge hotels in Vegas where you get lost. Um, Personal personal knowledge there. Um, (laughs) The Hard Rock, I think, is the perfect hotel as far as size goes. It filters into a main area where everybody can go. And everybody can be when it was uh, when it was part of the hotel uh, three years ago. Uh, boy, I tell you, walked around that place, and every single person walking around that hotel had a rugby jersey on. It was fantastic. The atmosphere was fantastic. So I, I love it as far as that that goes. And that was another one of the reasons we went to one hotel. Um, with the stations, there were four hotels. Everything was spread out. And there wasn't really any energy brought to a place. Now we're going to have the energy brought to one place. Um, it's where all the manager meetings will be. It's where all of the events, LVI-focused events will be. So Thursday night, we will have uh, – we're, we're in partnership with uh, the Dog River Howlers in Rugby Canada, and we will be having the Hoser Howler party on Thursday night at the Hard Rock. And that'll be funding a bunch of uh, rugby, youth rugby, touring rugby. Um, Friday night, because the games go quite late um, at the stadium, there's nothing official. But Saturday night will be the official LVI party uh, at the Hard Rock. It's also where, where we will be handing out the trophies for all the teams. So all, all 20 trophies that we hand out will be there. Uh, and then Sunday night we'll have another uh, wrap-up uh, party at the Hard Rock. So it's really going to be rugby central. Well, you know, it's a it's a really actually it is a really fun hotel. And one of one of the earliest I I quibble with you about getting lost because I did get lost <laughs> twice at the Hard Rock. Uh, and and the second time was one of the earliest impressions Pat ever had of me in person was me losing my car in the parking lot. At uh, at the parking garage at uh, Hard Rock, and I, Pat, I don't know. It took us what forty minutes to find that thing. I don't. I just so, remember laughing until I was crying because <laughs> Ed Haggerty making fun of you for losing your car. So yes, that's right. I lost my car. So, um, what, but what, uh, time, it, what time of day was that, Alex? It was late. It was late. But you see, while yeah. going in there, you see, I remember I bumped into another guy who was standing there completely clueless. He looks to me and he says. Are there two parking garages? Yes, because okay, now I understand. And that's the the thing is there are two parking garages at the Hard Rock. So you park in one and you go try to find your car in the other one. It's not going to be there. So so why why the Hard Rock? What advantages for for staying yeah. at the Hard Rock? Well, again, it's it's the LBI title sponsor hotel, and so you stay there as an LBI team and you're registered. You're getting a big, huge discount, 40% discount on the uh, tickets. Uh, you get a discount on the registration. You get a discount on rooms. 
and you'll get a discount on LVI gear. We're producing an LVI store, so teams can order uh, hoodies, shirts, shorts, whatever they want uh, through the LVI store. Again, if you're a registered LVI team, add a big discount. So every time you're you're going to pay money, um, if you're if you're an LVI team staying for Hard Rock, you're going to get a big discount for staying there. So it's a fantastic way to to make your trip less expensive overall. Excellent. All right. Well, John Hinkin with the uh the John Hinkin the tournament director of the Las Vegas Invitational. Uh um I'm, I'm sure everybody's interested in playing and hopefully they can find uh the time to play uh at the tournament uh January 23rd to 25th. Uh, at various fields around Las Vegas, they should go to USA7s.com. It's on a tab. Go to USA7. There's two ways to get there. Go to the USA7 site, and then the tab is all the way on the right-hand side, Las Vegas Invitational tab, and you'll find all my contact information. Or secondly, www.lvirugby.com will will get you there as well. Everybody likes easy, so www. Dot .lvirugby.com is the place to go to get where you need to be. Get your place in quickly because space is filling up in several of the brackets. And don't forget also that the LVI is two weeks earlier than normal. It's January 23rd to January 25th. And the reason for that is because the Winter Olympics are in February. NBC covers the Winter Olympics, so they don't want to be covering the Winter Olympics and the USA 7s International Tournament at the same time moved the USA 7s two weeks earlier so it doesn't conflict. John Hinkin, we really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. And for Bruce McLean and Pat Clifton, this is Alex Goff reminding you to check out Rugga Matrix International Show on RuggaMatrix.com or on the iTunes Store. Same goes for Rugga Matrix America. And all, as always, have a look at RugbyMag.com for all your news and for Rugby Magazine, E-Magazine as well. And thank you very much for listening to Rugga Matrix America.